Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I don't understand medium rare. I don't understand that. That's how you eat a dead animal on the side of the road. I don't understand that. I think still breathing a medium rare. Wait a minute. You eat dead animals on the side no, of the road? No, I just feel like it's like fresh kill still. <laughs> it's like still bleeding inside. Medium rare. I can't do it. Oh, baby. We're here. We're back. We're going to get into the steak talk in a minute. For all those out there that are listening, okay, that was me and Mike Florio who had, had this debate the last few days, okay? It's been about, we have a bet going on, me and Florio. Okay. I thought Antonio Brown would be traded after his March 17th uh, uh, bonus that he's supposed to get. Okay. He's saying before. So mm. we got into that. We're betting dinner, and that's where the steak thing came from. But either way, we are here. Chris Sims, unbuttoned. Thanks for coming on, joining, listening, whatever the hell you're doing today. But, hey, if you want to get this, youtube.com slash NBC Sports or wherever you download your podcast. I will be there available. And I'm sitting next to one of my dudes right here, Pauly Bermeister. Okay, what's up, man? Great to Thanks. see you, man. Thanks, man. Come on. I, I, yep. I figured somebody should actually be unbuttoned on the unbuttoned show. But yeah, you yeah. should be. That's what I'm, I'm trying to unbutton you. I don't know what it is, but when I say your name, I always want to, like, put an accent with it. I want to go, hey, yeah, I'm here with Pauly Bermeister. You're from North Jersey. So I know. That's where it comes from. You could actually do it and get away with exactly it. Exactly yeah. right. Now, let's work on this one more time, the handshake thing okay. right here. Yeah. There, and then lock it. Bam. And then let go? Yeah, then let go. Or you okay. can get a snap at the end, but that'll give you some street cred out there, okay? Very good. All um, right. 47, I need these kind of tips now from hey, young we, guys. We all do. We all do. I had to have somebody teach me that at some point as well. I'm not as cool as <laughs> I may or may not look. Uh, but either way, glad to have you here, man. Paul played quarterback in college, went to Iowa. Where'd you grow up? I don't even know that. I grew up in Iowa City, like literally two blocks from Kinnick Stadium. Awesome. Iowa yeah. people are good people. Yes. I got an experience with Kyle Orton, who is one of my That's favorites, right. being yeah. from the state of Iowa as well. He went to Purdue for college, but uh, I'm down with that. And we've known each other for a few years. Exactly. So this is good. This is a lot of fun. When I got the news that we got to hang out every Wednesday doing the podcast, you're a guy that loves quarterback play, can't get enough of it, yep. could, could literally watch it and talk about it all day long. Yes. And I've always been kind of the same way, so I, I'm excited Good. About I'm glad we're going to give you this avenue for you to jump out there so you don't have to be like Johnny Broadcaster all Thank the time, you. too, right? And we're yes. going to have some fun, and you'll get to talk about ball, even see what you, you know, talk about what you see at the quarterback. Sounds great. Please yeah. challenge me. Throw the red to. flags out there and go, Chris Sims, that is the dumbest damn thing I've heard all day, and this is why. Don't, don't be scared of that, okay? Okay, I like it. Very good. Uh, I don't know if I'll word it that way. But right. 
I will I will challenge you on what you see and what I see. We'll have some very good well, back and forth. And, I mean, like, honestly speaking, you have more draft credentials as far as covering the event than I do. I mean, you've worked a lot of years for, for the NFL channel and NFL.com, right? Ten years at NFL Network. Yeah, right. And the main thing I did there that they allowed me to do was Path to the Draft. We yeah. started that show, I think, in 2006, and it was a whole lot of fun. I remember being at the Combine in 2005. It was me and Mike Mayock on two chairs, and they're like, let's just try this out. <laughs> While everybody's running 40s and working out, you guys just sit there and watch it on that monitor and talk about it. And we didn't have any idea if anybody would like it, if anybody would be watching. By the end of the weekend, they were getting our ear at the top of every hour saying, all right, you guys are going to stay on for another hour. All yeah. right, stay on for another hour. People are watching. People like this. And that's... That's where the whole combine thing started. It's amazing being there now and, and seeing how much interest there is. Right, right. It's a new age. I mean, we are. We're, we're that, and that's what we're going to do. That's what every Wednesday podcast is going to be here with Chris Sims Unbuttoned. When Paul Burmeister is here with me, we're doing draft, deep dive stuff every Wednesday. That's where we're here in Central Park at NBC Sports. We're going to talk about that. So expect that. And it is for more of the nuanced listener. But, like, really, it's those segments that you're talking about that kind of I felt like made the jump off for the draft where people they I think the NFL realized and everybody was like whoa right there's kind of an audience here that wants to hear uh, all the nuts and bolts and in the weeds type of conversations about football players and uh, you know here we are now talking about it nonstop. and there was a lot of pushback way back when it seems like a long time ago but there were a number of general managers that did not want us to do that even the NFL's own network they didn't want us on the inside. They wanted to keep it kind of a kind of a secret. Don't let people see. Yeah, and they I think still want that. I mean, that's I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that, that is long gone. But I think that was part of the allure. People knew about the combine for so long, but never got to see it. And yeah. now you kind of get to look behind the curtain. And even though it's uh, it's routine now, uh, there's an element of that now where people feel like they're looking maybe where they shouldn't be looking or they never got to look before and now it's just taken off yeah it is it's it's unbelievable uh we're gonna have a good show we're breaking down qbs here today okay we're i'm gonna give you my top eight and i went with eight really just because i thought these eight kind of separate themselves from the rest of the draft class and we'll break it down eight through one that's how we're gonna do it other thing is wednesday podcast staple is, yes, my dad, Phil Sims. Screw Phil Sims! Uh, or as we call him in my house, this what we can swear on this podcast, the big fucker. Yes, he will be coming on today. Uh, in about 45 minutes, we'll break awesome. him on, and he's going to talk about a few quarterbacks and really, like, who knows what big Phil's going to talk about because right? he's starving the talk, so he's, he's, when he gets a chance, he's just going to be blabbering everything. So uh, that'll be fun either way coming up. Uh, but we got some news we want to hit on today, right? Mm-hmm. About, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. we, we knew we are going to talk quarterbacks, as you laid it out like we're going to every Wednesday. The news came out last night that former NFL general manager Charlie Casserly uh, got word that Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray failed to impress uh, oh, a number no. of teams right. in the 15-minute meeting. So to me, the most interesting part of this is it sheds light on what happens inside those 15-minute meetings. Yeah. You can have your opinion on Kyler or Charlie all you want, but it shines a big old light on those 15 minutes, how important they are, and what actually happens between head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, GM, and that quarterback prospect while he's there for 15 minutes. Yeah, no doubt. It is a very interesting uh, schedule when you're coming out in the draft either way. And just to get to that point, first of all, you know, the Kyler Murray conversation with Charlie Casserly is talking about out there, right? He's talking about, you know, interviews weren't good, right? Um, on the board wasn't good. Leadership is not good. Uh, I'm probably missing one other thing that he brought up as an example. Uh, 
I find it suspect a little bit. Why? And I don't necessarily know if it's suspect. I'm not trying to challenge Charlie Casserly because mm-hmm. I know he knows people within the NFL. This is where I find it suspect, and this is the first thing I thought of. Who's using him as a pawn right here to maybe to maybe get negative propaganda out there for a Kyler Murray? That's where my mind went first. I just find it very rare with if somebody had that many bad check marks against them. This day and age we live in. I feel like we would have heard some of these things. I know I feel like I would have heard some of these things uh, leading up to the combine. So this is the first I'm hearing of it. Lincoln Riley came out today and kind of disputed it. Now, I know he has a vested interest in the quarterback as well. Right. But there could have been other ways he could have maybe dodged it without coming out so definitively. Like, you know, I'll take Lamar Jackson last year. He wasn't getting the greatest reviews in the world. And Bobby Petrino didn't exactly put himself out on a limb and say, no, this is all wrong. He kind of danced around the issues and just, hey, Lamar Jackson played well for us when he was here. This was different. But go ahead. What was your take on the, the whole thing? I think there's so many ways to look at this. Uh, there is the negative reaction to what Charlie said. And there are a lot of people who feel the same way you do. Yeah. And none of us really know what happened. I, I worked with Charlie for a decade. I right. know how he does his homework. I know he has good sources. Uh, so, I, to me, he's, he's a guy who's not reckless with, with what no, he puts out there. No, he's not. I, I agree he's not you. careless. Right. So, maybe there is a little something to it. I mean, on the other side of the coin, if you want to say, like what I just said, maybe there's something to it. We saw him in the Super Bowl interviews be somewhere between shy and unprepared. And to take that scene and to picture what happens behind closed doors and to think that person maybe didn't put himself out there in the best light in those 15 minutes, that's not that much of a stretch. Also, you know how it is this time of year. A lot of people want to be negative. They go in with these quarterback rankings thinking, I don't like this guy. Give me a reason to like him. So it's a negative tone this time of year. And to think that someone didn't like him, and I know everybody likes him right now, and I think he's going to end up being the number one overall pick, and I'd love to see him do well. But to hear that there's some negativity about him right now, doesn't surprise me in the abstract because this is how people want to be about a lot of quarterbacks with high rankings. They want to find reasons not to like yeah, them. Yeah, going to pick them apart, no doubt about it. I think this is the other time, you know, this is the time of the year, too. And this is for me personally, where I am like buyer beware when I talk to some of my friends or people I know around the NFL. I don't even get into, do you like this guy or where's this guy going to go if I'm talking to a front office guy or, or an agent or anything like that? Because it is propaganda time, and mm-hmm. people are sometimes saying things negatively because they want a player to fall, maybe to them. You know, sometimes people might be lying to you about the interest a player is getting because they want you to tout that, oh, I'm hearing this guy's getting a lot of interest. So there's a lot of BS from coaches, front office people, and agents. You've got to only, you can only trust the people you really trust that are right. close friends, uh, and that's how I kind of lean this time of the year, lean time this, this time of the year. But, like, did you go through like the 15-minute media? I mean, uh, meeting the coaches and teams thing. I don't know if it's a, if a byproduct of I wasn't that big of a prospect when I was there 25 years ago, or if they weren't doing that 25 years ago. But I did not go up to the whiteboard and have any offensive coordinator say, "Okay, here's our play, here's our verbiage. Now you go write it and teach it to us." I, I didn't go through any of that. No, no, no whiteboard. I'm watching this nitwit behind us fall down. Uh, but the 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 uh, so when did you? Meet Meet with coaches? Did you get a chance to meet with coaches at all in your in your day back in 1942? 19 almost 19, <laughs> 1994. Yeah, in, in the evenings back at the hotel, we would yeah. have a chance. You know, 
this is how long ago it was. You'd walk into your hotel room, there'd be a little light on the on your phone. That's yeah. how you knew somebody was leaving you a message. Meet so and so in this room of the hotel at right. this time. So that there were a few of those, but it was more like a, a, a get to know you kind of thing. It wasn't X and O. I feel like agents have gotten so involved with the uh-huh. fifteen minute meetings. The kids are so well coached right. on what to say that the coaches have moved past that, and right. now they do X and O, they watch film with them to get them out of their shell, right. to break them down a little bit, to get past what they've been told to say. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about that. And just in my experience, and I come on, let's go up. We're going to go up to the whiteboard. Right. Like my experience in doing that too, I mean. You got to take this off. I know, I will. Hold okay. on, I'll finish the story, and then we'll walk <laughs> out there. The, the thing, though, that is interesting about it, teams do have different approaches. And like the, the teams that I remember talked to me, like, hey, some teams it was just one guy dominated the conversation. Right, it might have been the head coach or the offensive coordinator, and he might have just wanted to get to know you. And then you go in the next team, and okay, now the head coach and the offensive coordinator want to know specifics. You know, draw us your favorite play, teach us your favorite play. How did the reads go? Okay, how did you pick up this blitz? Then another team, you might go to the next team, you know, and the, like the bell rings, and you got to, it's like class. You got to go, okay, I got to go to, you know, then see the New York Jets at 7:45. You go over there, and there might be 10 people sitting in front of you, like it's an interrogation, right. and they're all asking questions. So so that's a little inside look of how it goes. Plus, you're in bedrooms, right? Right. Now, yeah. and there's other coaches in the background who are sitting there on the bed with their legs crossed, and you're like, you know, they're they're listening, and you could tell they're processing, but they're not trying to get involved and in talking. Almost like they're like these silent assassins in the background who are like doing a psychological breakdown. You want to be like, who is that guy back there that's shaking his head yes or no when I answer right. questions? And I, I'm not happy for, for Charlie or for Kyler that this is a story, but I wanted to talk about the meetings and all the conversations I had with. Offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches at the Combine last week about what they were doing with kids now. So, best story I heard from an offensive coordinator with Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago. Yeah, okay. They're like, okay, how do you want to spend this 15 minutes? We love his talent on tape. We have some concerns. There was a play, and I forget who who it was against, but there was a fourth and goal from the 15-yard line where he just threw it away. He did not take a shot in the end zone. Didn't show awareness of the down and distance. And they, they said, let's get this play out. Yeah. And the entire time trying to figure out what he was thinking, what he was doing on this play. Right. And he didn't have a good response. They didn't like how he answered it. They didn't like his mindset. He was a little turned off that they were talking about it for so long. So we're talking about how Kyler Murray didn't impress somebody. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, who is the guy in the NFL right now with all of his talent and how There's, well he played. Right. Just a couple of years ago, he walked out of one of those meetings with the team saying, I don't really like that. Yeah, it's never going to go perfect. Not every team is going to love you, and you're not going to love every team back. And then also they do things like that, so you are uncomfortable. Let me see how he reacts. Is he going to be accountable for a good – you know, I think in like instances like those, like coaches just want to hear – I was an idiot there. I right. just messed up. I don't, you know. And of course, as a young player, you're worried about saying things like that. Oh man, is that going to drop me down five picks in the draft now because I admitted I was an idiot on fourth down? You know. So all these things, before we judge too harshly with kids or any of this process, they are kids. They right. really are. I know. I thought I was a grown up when I was 22 or 23 years old, and I knew every <laughs> answer in the world. And now, but now I look back at it and go, "Holy cow, you were so stupid, so immature, and you knew nothing." But thank uh, goodness you've grown up so much. Oh, Chris, thank you right? so much. Yeah. There. Get a little bit nice to you. <laughs> Are we going to the yeah, board? Yeah, let's go to the board. Right. Come on, let's go check it out. So for those, uh, for everybody who can't see what we're doing on YouTube here, and you're just listening, we're walking over to a, what could be called a whiteboard or a grease board, and I believe Chris is going to 
So, so and, and first, all, I want to call out stats for working banker hours. Okay. See you, stats. Good work today. Yeah, there he goes. Good job. Go home. He's take get a nap in the morning. Right. So, who are you right now, and who am I? Am I a offensive coordinator? You're the well, prospect. Yeah, you're. The, I'll be the prospect. I guess that would be okay. the best way to do it. But like some of the like just like one, one team I can remember specifically. I want to say it was the Green Bay Packers. They right. were get up and draw us your favorite play. Right. Okay. okay. So first thing was is I was like nervous about my drawing. Right. Like I practiced my drawing before I went in there, just as far as my, my X's and O's, right? So, okay, I'll give you a play. And he with, writes in cursive, by the way. I like do. The only guy in his late 30s who still writes I still do. Cursive. I'm lefty, so we're writing challenged as is. But I get on the board, and I, I'm going to use my Texas person, uh, or, or uh, what do I want to say, scheme, language, whatever it Burbage, was. Burbage, Thank yes. you very much for your scouting term. Uh, and this was a, a play that was kind of all purpose. It was nine zero six, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, burst post. That's okay. what we called it, okay? Nine zero six, and it's a number scale. Which I don't. Did you ever no, number yeah. offense? Yep. That's yeah. how you did it. Yeah. Okay. So here, I'll put the X receiver out here. Let's put a receiver. He's, he would run the nine. It, he would run the nine, right? It's going right. to go right across the board, right? And I'll put the uh, zebra out here as the third receiver. There's Y. Here I am, a quarterback, and they want you to go through like the how the play goes. Right? Okay, nine. Nine is a go route. Okay, so I had Roy Williams, if you remember him, who was a top ten pick. Right? I was like, well, if if we had a man to man and the guy was playing bump, I'd go, oh, I'd love to throw, you know, just the go route. Or Mm -hmm. if somebody bailed out really quick, maybe a back shoulder or something like that to explain to him. Okay, I would go from there, and then, you know. I would also explain within that, okay, because this is my nine to my left side. If the, the, if the DB was 10 yards off, yep. you know, I might signal him something else, give him a hand signal and go, oh, run a comeback. And there's no point in running the go route. The guy's 12 yards okay. off. You're not going to run by him. So maybe you do that and signal him either way. I got to go over there. You're getting cues from Andy. You're in trouble. All right. <laughs> okay. See? So there's my nine, okay? okay? I got zero, six, okay? And then this is going to be the burst out of the backfield, and this would be the post, how we called it. Okay. So they would just want to ask you how you was coached, right? right? So there was the single cut thought. Now, if I had two deep safeties, there was two thoughts. I mean, if it was like too deep, a true too deep, like Tampa two or something like that, right. my coach would teach me to work the inside triangle. Did you ever hear that? Like I've heard of that, that term, heard right? Of that scheme. The, yeah. they, the they concept, would go, yeah. The concept, right, inside triangle is because here you got this guy, the back, we would call that a triangle because it kind of works as a triangle read. And it would be, okay, z- zone defense, my zone defense, or even man-to-man, if you wanted to play the concept, it would go one to two to the six route, right? Which is six is an in cut to yep. the back out of the backfield for my check down. Okay. All right? And then that was really the meats and potatoes of the play. And then you say, well, what's the post for over here? And for me, I don't know how your were as any, any offenses – Post is always alert if we got cover four, okay. right? Quarters, a quarter safety. Four guys going deep. Two four quarters, guys got, safeties, yes, yeah. the, the, the two corners, the two safeties have a quarter of the field. But in quarters coverage, like the quarters, the quarter safeties are going to be a little more flat-footed and not necessarily right. go deep. If somebody crosses their face, yep. they're going to kind of sit on it and try to drive the ball. So quarters was an alert to this post over the top, okay? If the safety here had big eyes on the in-cut and this safety over here is flat-footed on the in-cut too, that was an alert to throw the post over the top. Those are things that they want to see. And so here's, here's right. and I'm, we're improvising here. I'm going to play yeah. coach, GM, whoever, sure. who right. says, okay, I understand that. That makes sense. 
protections are such a big thing right now. I know. And this is a problem a lot of coaches have with someone like uh, Drew Locke, who for two or three years at Missouri would just look to the sideline. They'd signal it in. He'd clap and just go. This past year was the only time he really had to worry about protection. So when it comes to protections. Want me to erase them? Go ahead and leave that there. So let's say the defense was in a standard kind of four. Yep. You got a nickel guy out here. We'll get nickel. A couple of backers in here. And just two deep. We'll go safeties. Safeties. Corner over here. Sure. And a corner here. Let's say they walk up this guy. Yeah. Sure. To bring him. They walk him inside here. He's going to come this way. Protection-wise, if they're not only bringing these four, yep. if they're bringing two extra at the snap and you recognize that, what are you doing with your protection right. scheme? So, and this is, this is one of the issues with me being evaluated. I can tell you this right off the bat, where teams would ask me, you know, why couldn't you pick up this blitz? Or why couldn't you do this? And this is where your due diligence as a coach or a scout or something. And I would go... I don't know, because I was never taught to. I mean, and you have to take that into account so when you evaluate. So when you were at Texas, you, you were responsible for There were certain blitzes where, I mean, John Gruden would go, well, why couldn't you pick up this blitz against yeah. Oklahoma? And I said, I don't know. Um, yeah. but, but I was never taught, and I was never told I was doing anything wrong either, either. So you have to take those things into account before you blame the quarterback going, why didn't he re-ID and pick up this blitz? Because he well, wasn't some, told to. He wasn't told to. Nobody taught him to. That, that, that's not the quarterback's fault. That's an offensive right. coordinator problem. That's a team problem. So as an evaluator, you do have to be careful about throwing the quarterback in going, oh, he's not very smart. No, he might be smart, but he just wasn't taught to how to do that, right? How, how so difficult to do, do that. it is for these prospects to have to do that? Because they're getting a lot of that information from the sideline now and not worried about those kind of things. No, they're, they're definitely not. And that's a big issue in the NFL altogether, whether it's offense alignment or quarterback play, right? Is, yeah. you know, can they break the huddle? Can they manage things at the line of scrimmage by themselves? Because in high school and college, everything is right now is, you know, fake the snap, look over. What did the coach say? Oh, wait, fake it again? Oh, coach wants me to do yeah, this. Right? Hey, and they have one word thing, and that, that is life so, in college football. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't know if this happened or not, but it could have happened this way. Kyler Murray could have been in the situation, and some aggressive coach could have drawn something like that and said, what do you do? And he could have been like, I, he could have been, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because Lincoln Riley could have been telling him the whole season, hey, don't worry about this blitz. Right. My, the offensive line has been taught how to pick it up. That's not your, your problem. Right. You just worry about the coverage. So those are all things that where sometimes I hear these things like Kyler Murray, oh, he wasn't good at the board, where I want to go, Okay, but what were what was really going on in the bar? Yeah, he might have not been good about answering how to pick up this blitz, right. but he also might not have been taught it either. I, I think sometimes right. uh, a way a coordinator or a coach gets past that, because they all have to know that that kind of thing is coming with some of these kids who didn't have that sort of responsibility at the line of scrimmage, that they will draw up a play from start to finish. Here's the play call. Here's what you're responsible for at the line of scrimmage. Yep. Here's what the tight end is doing. If this guy's coming, the right. running back, he's running this route. If this is happening, they erase the whole thing and yes. say, now you teach it to me. Exactly right. Or, or do that and then give you a, you know, teach you a play, right. ask you 10 questions, and then go back and go, hey, you know that play I taught you? Yeah. Go up and draw it on the board now because they want to see if you could retain it. And how difficult it. is that? Extremely right? difficult. Yeah. To the point where I'm not even listening to the 10 qu- and questions that are being asked of me in between because I'm still going, oh, wait, I don't want to mess up that play. What was that play? What were the rules? What are the things he taught me? So mm-hmm. I think those are all part of the board work. Uh, but that's really what it is at the end of the day. I think we kind of covered it all. All right. Um, I don't have my earphones on. Are they happy back there? Do they want to <laughs> see anything more? Because uh, this is a podcast. We don't have to just. You guys happy back there? They're very happy, Paul. 
And I got to say, Chris, this is nice following your lead. Oh, well, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm being getting heckled already by the people in the back because I was looking at the camera the wrong time. But, um, yeah, I uh, me play quarterback, uh, me football player. Was that before or after you were standing in front of the board? Uh, which what? What part? <laughs> the first half of that whole thing. Yeah. This is nice following your lead, Chris. I'm usually, I mean, as the host, the guy who gets it from one point to the next. And now, I mean, you're doing that. I, I think it, it's good. used to that. You're yeah, good. You're it's, good. it's okay. very nice. I, I'm not used to it yet, just so you know. So the, the, it's, I'm <laughs> you're glad sell, you're comfortable. You're selling it or faking it very well. <laughs> Thank you. I understand that you have some power rankings for me. And, and by the way, Chris and I, were, we were together at the Combine for not very long, kind of bumped into each other. And when I said, we said goodbye, see you next week, yeah. I said, I know you're going to watch some film with these guys. Can yeah. I come in and watch with you? And I could tell right away that I'd asked him something he wasn't real comfortable with. <laughs> and he finally said, I'll give you credit for this. He, he basically said, I don't want you to come watch with me. Right. Ruined my, my, my Monday I had planned. I was going to come sorry. watch with I'm you. I'm sorry about that. Yes. So I know you've been watching I have. these guys. And yeah. I, I'm anxious to see what you think of them. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, nothing personal to you on that. I, I got I want, over it. I want to watch in peace and quiet, for one. Yeah. Uh, two, I don't want us comparing notes because I want this to be natural. And I want you to hopefully disagree with some of this stuff as we go along to where it's good natural discussion within that. Okay. So, you know, sorry, don't take it personal. We're still friends, all right? All right. I got over it right away. Okay, good. So power rankings, yeah. one through eight. Did, the number eight, is that significant? The no, I went eight because I felt like these, I, you know, tiers of quarterbacks. Okay. And I felt like these were really the eight names that kind of dominated the college season as far as guys you heard about on the NFL radar. Okay. So I went with those. I've seen other guys down the list not as deep dive as these ones here that we're going to talk about, but I do feel like there was a gap after these eight compared to the next. And we're, I know we're going to get deeper down the list here in the quarterback conversation as we get closer to the draft and all of that, but I thought these were the first, the, the first big okay. eight to hit on. Do you know there are two quarterbacks starting in the NFC right now who are the eighth overall quarterback taken in their, in their class? I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. Oh, so let's see. Eighth overall. Eighth overall. Overall, fairly the, young guys. In the mm -hmm. NFC. Both in the NFC. Ooh, okay. Until, until last year, they were both in the same division. Oh, you got me thinking now. Hold on. I'm, pu I'm pulling up the teams, okay? Mm -hmm. I got I to gotta make sure here. So, eight? I think so I got two, them on this one. Two. You, you, might, you might. Two yeah. two of them? Yes. Uh, Dak Prescott's one. There you go. Okay. What did you just dial I just there? I just went with the teams. I just had to pull up the okay. teams on okay. NFL Jesus. That's legit. Yep. Right? Okay. I didn't I didn't cheat. That's one. Dak Prescott's one. Mm -hmm. And what did you say about them being in the same division? They, they were in the same division until the 2018 season. Until the 2018 yes. season. That's a pretty big hint. I know, and I'm, I'm totally choking under this so, right I mean, now. That, that narrowed it down to guys. Kirk Cousins. Used, there you go. Thank you very Way much. Way to go. Thanks. Let's try, try that handshake that you oh, hear. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then there. bam, I like it, guy. You don't I have to snap got... with me, but you just snap at the end. I know you wanted to touch my hands a little longer than yeah. that. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, that's good. That's why I got my own podcast. I can pull things out <laughs> like that right there. That's <laughs> why so you're running point guard here, leading the way. Okay, one through eight we're going eight through one so yeah. let's start out with your quarterback who right now is number eight now, my quarterback number eight is will greer from west virginia right. i think that's the first one right there and again you know hey it's never easy talking negatively about young kids who are trying to make their way as professionals and do all those things 
But yes, Will Greer, okay? Everybody's going to go out there and go, oh, what about all these stats? And he threw the ball all over the field at West Virginia, and it's, you know, 37 touchdowns and eight interceptions or something close to that. That's great. I don't give a damn about that. It's okay. about your physical ability, ability to process uh, information. And, of course, you've got to take in the offense into account on what he played in. Will Greer, I thought, as a whole, okay, um, kind of a frail player as far as in the pocket, not going to jump out athletically. And I don't mean that like he's the worst athlete I've ever seen, but he doesn't do anything special that way. Now, I think the other thing I would talk about with Will Greer is throwing. I would call, classify him as a high-effort thrower. Very few throws as I watched film, and I watched four games on each of these guys where I went – Boom, that was a special throw right there. And I know people might go, well, what about that throw at the end of the Texas High game? effort means he's like laboring? High it's, it's a lot of work for him okay. to throw. When I look out and go throw a six-yard hitch route, right? So all those people were going, what the hell's a hitch route? Receiver runs six yards. He just turns back and looks at the receiver. I mean, the gifted quarterbacks in this draft can just sling it out there and not even think about it, right? right. Will Greer was – he has a few – what I would say fundamental issues in throwing the ball and also does not necessarily have the greatest arm in the world. I think okay. those are the things that would worry me more than anything. And I'm going to stand up here just to give a little example. And what I mean by high effort throw, there's two things that kind of bother me about his throwing. First of all, he's a step in the bucket thrower, okay? And what I mean by step in the bucket thrower is what camera am I on right now, right here? So step in the bucket thrower, if I'm wanting to throw the ball right here, he is constantly way wide of the target. Now, I'm a lefty, he's a righty, so he's way left of the target, way too much. Opened up, doesn't keep the front shoulder in, okay? The other thing he does, and why I say high effort, is because he is a, it's a lot of, you know, that kind of thing as he's throwing the ball. That doesn't tell me you're going to be able to consistently throw it smooth, accurately as the game goes on, as the year goes on. And the one thing he does mechanically that I do not like that I see on film all the time, Paul, and I see it even at the combine a little bit, where he is a way over-dramatic, over-the-top thrower, right? To where he gets in this position, the opposite shoulders down, and the ball's up like this. And let me just tell you all out there, there's not one good quarterback in football that is in this position when they're throwing the ball down the field. And that does not, that is not a position of power. You what, what, what worries you the most of the fact that the He's leaning or the fact that the ball is too he's far He's leaning here? and he's manufacturing ways to get power on the football, right? So, you know, quarterback, you're not going to have time to do all this. And a lot of the times in the NFL with people around you, pressure, whatever it may be in the pocket, you see the good ones when we get to the, you know, the cream of the crop, whether that's Haskins, Murray, Locke, some of the other guys, you Brady, Aaron Rodgers in the NFL right now, they're right here and they can just stay right within this motion all the time, right? You mean, right. You, you've seen them a million times yeah. where, oh, God, there's pressure. You know, here's Tom Brady and D Ford's in his face. He can just stand there and right here and be in the, he doesn't have to go like this and get into some awkward right. position that is too many moving parts to where you're not going to consistently throw the ball accurately and cleanly the whole time. But I think at the end of the day, yes, lack of pop in the arm, too many balls that were just wobbly and fell apart on him, okay. which I take that into account. I mean, yep. catching, a, catching a catchable football, spirals. Spirals matter. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you, you know, I see throws where, man, it's a hard wobbler on a curl route, and the guy drops it, and they go, well, yeah, the receiver should have dropped it, but that's a really hard ball to catch 
too when it's spinning almost in a duckish type of fashion. Here's here's my problem with, yeah. with Will Greer, and you didn't yeah. even bring it up. And yeah. you you tell me if I'm seeing this the wrong way. We yeah. all need to get used to quarterbacks transferring now. Right. We all need to get used to players sitting out a bowl game. Yep. So in Will in Will Greer's background, mm-hmm. he transferred from Florida, West right. Virginia. That that happens now. It's okay. Yeah. I know kids are not playing in bowl games now because they want to save themselves uh, for, for the NFL draft. Right. A quarterback choosing to sit out his bowl game to keep himself ready and healthy for the NFL draft. I've got a real problem with that. I, I, I understand that, especially in a quarterback, I think, in, in his shoes where I don't know who told him he was going to be like the top, a, a top 20 pick to where he thought he could afford the luxury of not going out there one more time and showing people what he has as a player to improve his stock, that's what you can do in bowl games. So I hear, I hear you there. It's, I, it's I got no issue. And it he is chose to play in the senior bowl where obviously there's contact there, so it was okay to go get tackled in Mobile, but you couldn't play in your bowl game. Yes, I, I mean, listen, those are things certainly to look at. I'm never too mad at a guy for making the business decision. And here I just go, it's a little misinformed because I don't think he was necessarily this knockdown, oh, he's going in the first two rounds quarterback. Help yourself he out. Go yes. have a great bowl game. But I think that at the end of the day with Will Greer, my big thing is I think he is a career backup. I don't see him ever really having starting quarterback potential. Okay, There are off-the-field issues. There definitely is. And I don't know the specifics of those, but I've had too many teams already say that, Mm -hmm. that there's some things that are concerning there. Um, So there's that. But the big thing is in games where I saw the teams take away some of what I would call the bullshit completions for Mm -hmm. West Virginia, the screens, the Dana Hogerson specials, he is not capable of making plays off rhythm with his physical ability or making big throws into tight windows, what I would call somewhat of a, uh, a system success at West Virginia. How about a Twitter question about yeah, Will? Sure. Sammy would like to know, how hard is it for guys like Greer to adjust to taking snaps under center at the next level? Is it simply a timing thing, or do you think just harder for him to make reads and keep his eyes downfield while dropping back? That's a good question. I, I think uh, I think all of the above, really, there. I mean, I think I think whoever that was kind of hit it all. And first of all, it is a timing thing because he's used to being in the shotgun, right, and just catching the ball, not having to worry about a drop or anything like that. Let me just turn my shoulders and look for who I got to throw the football to. Now you're dropping, as you know, and you're going through kind of the gymnastics in your head. Wait, coach told me when I throw this route, I should take five steps or when I throw that route I should take seven steps let alone they haven't dropped a whole lot and nor did I think his drop was real pretty at the combine either which showed he has work to do there but he wasn't the only guy that had work to do with the drop I mean we'll get into that Baker Mayfield had to get used to that as well last year and and he did it he did it very well he did exactly right all right let's move on to number seven yep um number seven for me is going to be Clayton Thorson from Northwestern okay Clayton Thorson a big quarterback uh prototypical pocket type quarterback and I'm flipping through my notes started as I get to him. more than 50 games more than 50 games I think the big thing you have to take into account first thing is when you watch him from this past season you have to realize that at the end of the 2017 season bowl game he tore his knee up so he played early on this year with uh, not being hundred percent healthy and I, I took that into account as I watched the film early on in the year it wasn't pretty as the season went on it went better I think the big thing is a little bit like Will Greer here I think this kid has a little bit more potential than a 
Will Greer because he is bigger, he's stronger. I do think he's more, a little bit more of a pure thrower of the football. But again, I would go back to lack of draw-dropping plays that way. You know, not a whole lot of pop in the arm. Right. He certainly can play the position and go through reads and move in the pocket subtly here and there. But again, I think inconsistencies in throwing, uh, lack of big-time throws. And I, t- I know that Northwestern didn't have the most talent around him and things like that. But all of that, let alone what I felt like was the same motion, throw after throw after throw. You know, good quarterbacks this day and age, as you know too, you got to be able to throw the ball from different platforms, right. adjust, be able to throw with people around you. The coach isn't going to care in the NFL, you know, when somebody's at your feet, okay, and there's a, ten, a guy 10 yards down the field is wide open. The, the coach is going to be like, I don't care that anybody's at your feet. He's open, and you could have you thrown it. To you got to get to I him. Saw right. him. I saw him play when he must have been start 47, 48-ish uh, at the end of the season against Notre Dame, and I, I, had, I had higher expectations than, than what I saw. Yes, right. I get you. All right, number six. And, and this begins tier two for you as we move on from tier three. Yeah, I think, yes, tier two. I think this is, a, this is where there, this is a little step up from the last two guys we talked about. Daniel Jones from Duke. Oh, hold on a second. Yeah. Daniel Jones at six. I've seen him three, four, most wow. lists. Why, why is he only six? Yeah, I, I guess, okay, and, and I, I saw the same list too. I, I was underwhelmed when I watched the film from Daniel Jones. I mean, first of all, I do think he was a product. Out of all the quarterbacks I watched, I felt like he had the most quarterback-friendly system. And I feel like the what's guy's... That, what's that mean? Well, it means that there was a lot of easy completions where I'm not going to sit here and gush and go, oh my gosh, he threw the five-yard out to the slot receiver. Whoa! We got to draft him in the first round because he can throw the five-yard out to the slot receiver. That's amazing. Holy cow. What talent. No, those are products of the system. David Cutcliffe. And I think that's, first of all, was my number one warning flag when I, even before I dove into this, anytime I heard Daniel Jones, it was Duke, David Cutcliffe. Most people want to use that as, as a compliment. Like right away they say, oh, he's, he's from the David Cutcliffe right. system. See, but when you're going there first before ability, that tells me that ability might not be where we want it and to be. And that's what you saw? And that's what I saw. Now, again, he's big. He is very well schooled. Keeps his body in great position. Uh, he, he is a accurate thrower of the football. But again, I would go back to some of the things we've said about the other guys. You know, the motion scares me for one. It doesn't lend itself to big-time throws. And I'm going to just show that real quick as I stand up one more time. He has what I would call an independent contractor as an arm, right? Okay. What's that mean? But, like, do you know what that – you never heard that one? I know what an independent contractor is. Right. It's the same thing, though. But I – because guys who can really throw it, Rodgers, Brady – Patrick Mahomes, they know how to use their body to make their arm better. Daniel Jones is an independent contractor, and again, everybody, I'm lefty, and I know these guys are all righty. He keeps a very frozen front shoulder all the time, right? He doesn't get this, where you see all the good quarterbacks and good throwers do this. There's some flow. Instead, it's a very stiff upper body, and the motion is kind of a whirly bird over the top. And again, it's very hard to make power, game-changing type throws in those instances. That scares me for one. But two, yes, Again, if I'm thinking of a quarterback who is top 25 pick or end of the first round pick that I've heard with Daniel Jones, there's just not enough there in physical ability, in my opinion, for me to jump on okay. that bandwagon. Not enough game play, you know, game changing different type of throws. I thought 
you know, there was some there was one point where I got done with two games and I said, Well, I've watched seven hundred yards of throws and like six or seven touchdown passes and no interceptions and he knows how to play the position and make right decisions and he's very accurate as far as the short to intermediate pass game. But I also said there wasn't one throw on here or play where I went, whoa, that's pretty damn special right there. So you have Daniel Jones as your sixth overall quarterback. Before we move on to number five, Daniel Jones worth a pick in what round, do you think? I think that, to, for me, he is not a first-round talent. So I would say somewhere between 30, you know, he's a second-round guy. Okay. I think he is a guy that you draft. Um, he could probably seamlessly come into a team, even for a complicated offense, and run the offense. I think those are the positives about him. But I think at the end of the day, what I would come to is he needs an offense and a system around him. If the right guard hurt and the left tackle's hurt and you have a receiver or two down and maybe your offense isn't that creative, Danielle Jones is not going to be the guy that's going to save your team or your offense or carry you through those phases of the season where you need the quarterback to go, I need our quarterback to make some big-time plays and carry us through this stretch. No, but uh, so, so if, that, that would be the big thing. If I would Danielle say Jones isn't your guy, maybe Daniel <laughs> Jones is. <laughs> maybe, maybe. yes, it's very funny. You're, uh, but I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything there. So I'm flipping through my notes just one we'll more time. We'll get back to it. Okay, cool. We got plenty of time to, to okay. uh, plenty of weeks here. Oh, batted balls are another issue with him. I got to talk about with him too because of that deliberate long motion. You just said he was over the top. Though. It's over the top, but it's a little slow and deliberate, and that's okay. concerning to me too. To where. He was in a passing offense that was a lot of the short passing game, like David Cutcliffe we talked about. I felt like a lot of defensive linemen knew, oh, gosh, he's going to get the ball out of his hand quickly. Yep. And he has a little bit of a deliberate delivery to where defensive linemen certainly can time it. And okay. you would see a lot of batted balls uh, throughout the film when you watch him. Can you turn your cursive notes to number five, Jared Stidham? Yep. I think he's, I think he's closer up front because I was, I was nosing through those earlier. Oh, you were nosing through yeah. my notes, huh? Yeah. Okay, Wouldn't okay. let me watch film with you, but I, I, I did find your notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jared Stidham, you know, okay, this is where I would start with him. And this is very, he's very close to four and five, I think, are very close. Uh, we'll get to four in a minute. But five, Jared Stidham, there are things I like about Jared Stidham a lot. I really do. I think the first thing you have to do when you evaluate Jared Stidham is realize that Auburn's offense was horrible this year. Okay. There is no big-time talent. I would say out of all the quarterbacks I watched, he had the worst pass protection. Uh, At Auburn? Yes, they were really? horrible this year. They really were. The, the, they had major issues. I'm not going to call out some of their guys on their offensive line, but there were certain positions where I would want to go like, wait, I checked the rule book. You are allowed to pass protect for this guy. You don't have to let the guy go through every play. Right. But So you have to take that into account when you watch him. It's not always pretty. The offense is not overly creative. We're not talking about any Auburn wide receivers in the draft either. But the one thing I will say about Stenham, a very pure thrower of the football. Now, his arm has pop. It's sneaky pop. And he can do it easily within the pocket he's a sneaky good athlete too can move around phenomenal at throwing the ball on the run I thought that was another thing that really jumped out to me as you watched it of course because he was under duress a whole lot as why he is he through. only fifth well because there's four in front of him that are damn good okay but Jarrett you know, Jared Stidham, I think the other thing people have to do, you have to go back and watch film from two years ago when Auburn was a little bit better. You're going to be more impressed by what you saw with him. But regardless, Stidham is really good. I even said that I thought it was like, 
He's got a Tony Romo-ish type of style of play about him. Even his motion, the way he stands in the pocket. I thought that was maybe his ceiling where I kind of said a guy like Brian Hoyer is probably his floor, right? But I do think there is something there with Jared Stidham. I thought he made a number of big throws into tight windows. Even when guys were covered, I thought he put the ball in spots where maybe they could catch it. If not, the ball got batted down. And a lot of his mistakes and bad plays, he had a few bonehead plays. I'm not trying to give him like a free pass here. But for the most part, they were Auburn issues. They weren't Jared Stidham issues. Right. When I was looking at your notes, yes. and the first thing you had written down is he looks like an NFL quarterback. He does. How, how much? How much does that matter? Well, look, look, I you know looks presence you have about you in the pocket. You know, mm-hmm. like I look at a guy like Jared Stidham. He he measured the same as basically Will Greer. But I w- if you asked me and looked on the film, I'd go, man, they look like two different guys in the pocket. One guy looks kind of like an Adonis, and the other guy looks like you know, hey, he looks good, but I'm not overwhelmed by him. So presence. At the quarterback position, I do Matters, think play yeah. something in it, right? I mean, hey, when Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben run onto the field, we go, oh, man, look at that big sucker right there. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Drew Brees the same way. Has a presence about him. Not that he's the biggest guy in the world, right. but there is a presence about him and how he leads the team and, and breaks the huddle and how he stands in the pocket and handles himself. Big sucker not to be confused with your dad. The Yeah, the big fucker. There you right. go. Yes. All right, from five, let's move on to four. What yeah. Got? Number four was, like, I think one of the surprises of my evaluation for me, and that's Ryan Finley from North Carolina State. I mean, I came away kind of blown away by Ryan Finley. And you, I, used, you used phenomenal to talk about your number five guy, Jared Stidham, and you're blown away by your number four I guy. know, blown away, and I said that maybe a little bit because I wasn't expecting it to be this good. I'm not blown away from the point where I go, oh, this is the number one pick in the draft. I'm blown away because the film was much better than the okay. TV scouting, right? It's nice to have low expectations, it, right? It, it yeah. is. It does. It helps yeah. things. I've seen him in person, and I was impressed with him in person at Notre Dame two years ago, right? Uh, you do the Notre Dame radio broadcasts. And, and Thank you. Yes. 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 So, and you do a great job at it. But he played well two years ago when North Carolina State came to Notre Dame where he caught my eye. But I think the big thing, like, talk about another guy with the really natural, fluid motion throwing the football. I think that's the first thing I looked at. I'm going to say that he the most accurate passer in this whole draft. Ryan Finley, when you go through it, I mean, even his incompletions are on the money for the most part. I was really blown away from that. And, and timing, anticipation, here's some B-roll if you're watching. We're showing clips from the Notre Dame game from two years ago. You saw a subtle move in the pocket there. Here he is coming off a of play action, throwing another ball about 30 yards down the field, on time, on rhythm, right on target. He's a, he's a gangly 6'4", 218 pounds, not a, not a wide-open receiver there. He's got great feel as a quarterback. Not only can he, he can throw the ball with a little power, and I'm not saying you're going to go, oh, wow, look at this arm, but he can make every throw. But I felt like his timing, anticipation, moving in the pocket was all really good, let alone running on the run. You know, when you watch some of the throws he makes uh, in the Syracuse game, in the Florida State game, uh, I'm missing a few others there that I just went, holy cow, I mean, throwing it on the run to the right or left, and for a righty to do it the way he did throwing to his left, I thought was really, really impressive. But more important than throwing on the run, something you said a moment ago, Subtle movement in the pocket. Yes, right. People confuse mobility with being able to run a 4-6 and get out there and pick up seven yards with your feet. But 
the fact that he was able to slide in the pocket like that, some people think that Dwayne Haskins doesn't do that very well. Yeah, I, I know. Matters a lot. Yeah, and, and it does. It does matter a lot. Like, hey, you, you and I both know Tom Brady's not the fastest guy in the world, but damn it, he can slide in that pocket all day long and dodge people side to side and stay in throwing position as he does it. That's right. what Finley does. Finley, uh, like I said, he, he is a guy, Paul, that I will say, New England at 32, this ah, could be the guy. First round, maybe. I do. I think this guy has first-round talent. I think he is that type of guy. At the end of the first, he has the smarts. He was in a pro offense. Yep. And there was just enough good decisions and big-time throws and athletic ability to go through it to where I go, if you made me say there was going to be four guys in the draft, Ryan Finley would be my fourth guy and, in the first round. And thinking about that point, let's go to Twitter. We have a question from Colin. He said last year Finley was looking to be a first-round quarterback prospect but decided not to declare. Now he's looking at probably a second-round projection. What changed? Yeah, well, I, I think the probably the team itself maybe changed. Sometimes it's just about the hype of the year, things like that. I don't know what changed. I can tell you that I think when teams watch him and start to deep dive like I did late last week and early this week, they're going to come away going – whoa, there's something there to this kid. I mean, it's not system throws. It's seam routes. It's posts over the top. It's 10, 15-yard out routes on the money. And what you're going to see, too, to add to that, making 15-yard out route throws, Paul, and you know this is very difficult as a quarterback, before the guy's even making his break as a receiver, oh, I got pressure, okay? And now I got to throw it out there to a spot, knowing where my receiver's going to break and put it there accurately to where now the DB, you know, you're not going to throw it behind and the DB's right. going to pick it off and run, you know, for a pick six. Those are the things that jumped out to me. He was physically better than I gave him credit for TV scouting. He really popped off the screen. Isn't that a nice spot to be in? I mean, if you're Ryan Finley, everybody's talking about Kyler Murray and is Drew Locke better than Dwayne Haskins or vice versa. You had low expectations going in to watch him, and he surprised you. He can kind of be that guy that he, can sneak into the end of the first round without being over-scrutinized in the media for the next two months. I, I, I think that's exactly right. He's going to be the under-the-radar guy because we know Kyler Murray's going to dominate the conversation. You know, yeah. Haskins, Locke, those guys, all that. Everyone, like you said just a few minutes ago, pushing the Daniel Jones narrative. Uh, I'm just saying, I think Ryan Finley is everything everybody's trying to say about Daniel Jones. I want to go, no, no, it's not Daniel Jones. It's Ryan Finley. He is the guy that should be in this end of the first round conversation. Maybe the fourth guy off the bo- he off the board as the quarterback. Never, right. never loses control um, on Paul. He keeps the ball right in here just all day long, and it's very efficient and quick. And if he wants to get the ball out of his hand quick on short routes, three-step game, things like that, it's right away. I was really impressed with what I saw from Ryan Finley. All right, the podcast went a little long today, okay? So make sure you check out part two of Chris Sims Unbuttoned. We will have a long interview with my dad. He never shuts up and never stops talking, so that's why it went a little long. And we will have quarterbacks one, two, and three, how I rank them, how we break them down. Please join us. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.